Welcome to the Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. This simple, scripturally sound preaching and teaching of the Word of God will direct you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd's Voice into the green pastures that God has purposed for you. There, you'll find rest for your soul and the fulfilled Christian experience you crave. God bless you as you listen. One of the things that God can never do for himself is to worship himself. And this is one of the reasons why he created you and I. His worth things that he has created all things for his pleasure. And when we worship God and exalt his name, it brings him great joy and great delight. We thank you, Father, for tonight. And we are grateful, O oh God, that we can offer to you something you are seeking for. The worship of the saints. Worship that is in spirit and that is in truth. We pray, oh God, that any time we come like this with the sacrifice of worship and praise, may we be drawn closer unto you and may we see your glory in our lives in a very profound way. I thank you, Father, tonight and I thank you for what you will do here in our midst. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and bless the name of Jesus, my friends. God bless you and you may be seated. Turn your Bibles with me to Psalms 106. Psalm 106. And we're reading from verse number 1. It says, reading from the New International Version of the Bible, please, this time around. Praise the Lord. Oh, I said praise the Lord. So what must you say? Hallelujah. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. May God help us by his spirit to do justly and to do what is right. Is this NIV? wow maybe there are different versions what does the new living translation say verse 3 hmm, that was very strange you put, that, put the NIV back there again because Mine says NIV, but what I'm seeing is something else. 
Where did I get to verse 4? Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones. That I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. We have sinned, even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses. And they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet you saved them for his name's sake. To make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea. And it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe. From the hand of the enemy, he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. Verse 13 is the verse you're looking for. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. I'll read that again. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. Hallelujah. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Now, Psalm 106 is a history of the people of Israel. It tells their story. It tells of how good God was to his people. How much he blessed them and took care of them. From the time he delivered them from the land of Egypt, from the land of bondage, through their journey to the promised land. Now, not only does this psalm talk about the goodness of the Lord to his people, but it also recounts their rebellions and how much they provoked God during the journey. And you see, whenever you talk about the goodness of God, you see how profound it is when you also think about our badness. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? You see, the goodness of God is more profound when you think about how bad we are, yet he's still good to us. And when you talk about our badness, you can't also help but talk about the goodness of God. So it's like the goodness of God points us to how bad we are. And our badness points to how good God is. Hallelujah. 
So it's like, it's, it's, it's a two-fold thing. You can never talk about the goodness of God without thinking about how some way we are. Neither can you talk about how some way we are without talking about the goodness of God. Hallelujah. Now, this psalm is believed by some to have been written by David. And after saying all the things that he said, we get to verse number 13, which is really our special verse of interest. And my version here says, and I'm reading it again, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. Now, the version that they've put up says NIV, but I don't know which NIV. Maybe there's an old one. Yours goes with me. So, please, there's a problem with your NIV. So, update it, all right? Because what I have says, and I read again, but they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. I'm interested in the last part where he says that, and they did not wait for his plan to unfold. Which in effect means that they did not allow God to do what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, and how he wanted to do it. They did not allow God. They did not wait for his plan to unfold. Means that they did not allow God to do things the way he wanted to do them. And this evening, I'm sharing a message with you. The title of the message is, Allow God. Allow God. Everybody say, allow God. Say it again. Allow God. Say it for the third time. Allow God. When we were in secondary school, this word, allow, was a word we used very often. So, for example, maybe somebody wants to say something and others are shutting the person down. Then the rest of us will shout, oh, allow, 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 allow. How many are familiar with that expression? Or maybe you've organized some food. And as you are eating, somebody comes, he wants to eat some. And somebody told, no, no, you won't eat, you didn't contribute. Then you hear somebody shout, oh, allow, 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 allow. <laughs> or somebody wants to do something. Maybe you are playing football and he wants to join. And so I said, no, you can't join, can't join. And you hear somebody shouting, allow, allow, allow. You see. So, in effect, what we are saying is that give the person the opportunity to do what he wants to do. And tonight, I'm sharing with you something very important. And to repeat it again, I'm saying to you that we must allow God. Hallelujah. You know, one of the challenges we have as Christians is our tendency to move ahead of God. Especially when we feel that things are delaying or God is not moving fast enough. It's one of the challenges we have as Christians. There's a tendency for us to move ahead of God. When we feel that things are delaying. 
or God is not moving fast enough. How many of you have ever felt in your life that sometimes God, he keeps too long? How many have felt? <laughs> Somebody said every day. Yes. Even if we don't say it, we think it. That God too, he likes to keep long. And that thought is what often drives us to move ahead of God. But tonight, I am teaching you something very important. And I'm saying to you that allow God. Hallelujah. What I just talked about, how we move ahead of God. There is a classic story in the Bible that I believe best explains this. And this is the story of Abraham when he had his son Ishmael. Let's read about it in Genesis chapter 16, reading from verse 1. Somebody shout, allow God. And then shout, allow. <laughs> Genesis 16, reading from verse 1. Now, Sarai, um, New Living Translation, Abraham's wife had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Wow, that's a very significant statement. And I, I believe that what he, she was actually trying to say is that it is God who gives children. And so if you don't have them, it means that God hasn't allowed you to have them. Amen. But I just want to speak prophetically to somebody today who is believing God for a child, that very soon, God will visit you. And what you desire, God will grant it to you. I speak and declare prophetically, you will have that child. You will have that child. Now there's somebody watching me right now, as I say these words, it has touched you, and something is resonating inside of you. It is because it is your prophetic word. And I emphasize it again. You will have the child. So get ready for a great visitation from the Lord. Shout, I receive it right where you are. She continued and said to Abram, go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. He didn't argue. <laughs> he agreed. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. Now this happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. So round about this time, he was... 85 years old. Because when he left the land of Ur, when God called him to leave his father's house and go to the place he was going to show him, he was about 75 years old. So 10 years after he left, then this accident, according to Hagar, occurred. It continues. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Unfortunately, that's what happens. People forget the one through whom they became blessed. 
and they begin to disrespect and dishonor the person. You always have to be careful about this, you know. Then Sarai said to Abram, this is all your fault. Now, if you're a husband, you should always be ready for this statement. Yes, you will hear it often. It's your fault. (laughs) It's your fault. You know, I put my servant into your arms. So you see, that is what is funny about her accusation. In one breath, she's saying that it is your fault. And then she contradicts herself with the next statement that I put my servant into your hands. So in other words, she said, when I brought it to you, you should have said no. <laughs> but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who is wrong, you or me. <laughs> Abraham replied, and he was very wise. Because he realized that there are some things that you shouldn't talk plenty about. He said to her, look, she's your servant. So deal with her as you see fit. Then Sarai treated Hagar so harshly that she finally ran away. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she replied. The angel of the Lord said to her, said to her, I beg your pardon, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. God is gracious. Somebody say, God is gracious. You know? And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael. Which means God hears. For the Lord has heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man. As untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone. And everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. I mean, I would be afraid to give birth to a son like that. Because the things that are being said about him here are very wild. He will fight. He will quarrel. He will, be, will take a stance against everybody. Uh, his family members, you'll always have an issue with them. So even before the child is born, that's why it's not every child that must be born. <laughs> and I think that that is also the reason why sometimes certain children are not born. I think so. I think so. It's a mystery why a woman, a pregnant woman, will miscarry. Sometimes the doctors know why. But there are other times also they don't know why the miscarriage occurred. I think that the very painful one is to actually go to labor or get to the last minute, the last show and then for some reason the child doesn't survive. But even in all those circumstances you must say that God is great and you must believe in the mighty hand of God. Hallelujah. So before Ishmael was born, this prophecy was given. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. I think I preached a message about this 
you are the God who sees. Is that not so? If you're interested, you can see the media guys and they will make the message available to you. Have you loaded it up yet, mister? It's there. All right. So you can look for my podcast. You know, just Google Johnny Awanyo podcast and it will lead you to something we call podcast. Do you see? And over there, you'll find a lot of the messages that I have preached over these last few months. It's for free, so you can look for it. She also said, have I truly seen the one who sees me? So that well was named Beer Lahai Roy, which means well of the living one who sees me. It can still be found between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. Abram was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Then you go to chapter 17 and verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. So now God said to Abram that I'm giving you a second chance because you messed up. Now, this was the problem. God told Abraham that he was going to give him a son. But the years were rolling by, the months were rolling by, and the child was not coming. What did they do then? Based on a suggestion that Sarah gave, they decided that maybe God needs a helping hand. So let's help God. This is my maid servant. She's fresh, she's so fresh, exciting. So, see, lie with her. Sarah said to Abraham, perhaps this is the way that God has chosen to bless us. And so what they did in effect was that they went ahead of God. But it brought a lot of challenges. And that is what often happens to us when we go ahead of God, when we step ahead of God. We end up in all kinds of awkward situations and awkward positions. When we don't learn to wait patiently for God to do what he said he would do, when he wants to do it, and how he wants to do it. Sometimes we think that God needs our help to bring to pass what he said he would do. But how does God need your help? Who do you think you are? Who am I that God needs my help? God doesn't need your help. What God needs is your cooperation. To cooperate with him so that he can do what he said he would do in your life. And Abraham and Sarah, they moved ahead of God. And that is what brought Ishmael into the picture. And later on, when Isaac was born, Ishmael became a thorn in his flesh. And in the Middle East, and in that part of the world, there are a lot of issues even up till today. Because there, you have the children of the son of promise, Isaac, 
in a permanent, perpetual conflict with the children of Ishmael. That's what you have playing out in the Middle East. With Israel, surrounded by all these other Arab nations. It's even a miracle that that small nation of Israel has survived all these years. But the beginning of the conflict that has been running on for years and for generations is this thing that happened with Abraham and Sarah when they moved ahead of God. And that's why I'm saying to you that allow God. Allow the plan of God to unfold for your life. Because if you step ahead of God, you may not like where you will end up. People have stepped ahead of God and married somebody that they shouldn't have married. People have stepped ahead of God and have had children that they should have waited for God to bless them with. People have stepped ahead of God and have ended up with jobs that they shouldn't have accepted. People have stepped ahead of God and have received help from people that they shouldn't have received help from. People have stepped ahead of God and have traveled to places that they shouldn't have traveled. And these things, when we begin to do them and when we begin to move ahead of God, we end up frustrating that beautiful plan that God has for our lives. If it was not for the grace of God, maybe Isaac would never have been born. In fact, after Ishmael was born, Ishmael was born when Abraham was 86 years old. From the time that Ishmael was born till Abraham was 99 years old, God never said anything to him for 13 years. Yes. So, in between the last verse of Genesis 16 and the first verse of Genesis 17, there is no record of God saying anything to Abraham. And it covered a span of 13 years. I don't know why. But I suspect that the plan of God was distorted. What God wanted to really do was affected. Because Abraham and Sarah, they moved ahead of God and they did not allow God. They did not wait for his plan to unfold. And it's just by the goodness of God and the grace of God that the plan for Isaac to be born came to pass. But sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes what God has planned for his people is derailed and it doesn't come to pass because the people moved ahead of God and they did not allow God to do what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, and how he wanted to do it. 
Can I say something? Am I saying something to you? Yeah. So listen very carefully to this message that I'm sharing with you. So the question is, what must I do for the plans of God to unfold in my life? What must I do? What do I need to do so I do not frustrate God's plan for my life? One day Paul said, I do not frustrate the grace of God. You can frustrate the grace of God. You can frustrate the plans of God. You can frustrate the intentions of God for your life. And one of the ways you do that is when you move ahead of him. So what must I do for the plans of God to unfold in my life? Number one, allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. Because God's wisdom is profound. Allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. Why? Because God's wisdom is profound. God's wisdom is superior to your own wisdom. Allow God to do what he wants to do in your life because God's wisdom is profound. Romans 11, reading from verse 33. New Living Translation. Romans 11, verse 33. It says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. That's why we sing, How great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. And all will sing, how great, how great is our God. God is great in his riches. God is great in his wisdom. God is great in his knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? You want to advise God? You want to tell God what to do? You want to show God how to go about things? Wow! Set audacity and impudence. Who knows enough to give him advice? He asks. And who has given him so much that he needs to pay it back? For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. We must allow God to do what he wants to do in our lives. Because God's wisdom is profound. And this is what the scripture is pointing to. Trying to get us to understand that God's wisdom is so great. So great that you, you often you don't understand what he's doing. Or what he's up to. And we must allow his wisdom... To direct our lives and allow his wisdom to do what he wants to do in our lives. We must allow God and allow his wisdom to work in our lives. We must trust in the wisdom of God. Can I have an amen? Number two, allow God's will to be done in your life. It is your best option. Allow God's will to be done in your life. It is your best option. Whose will must be done in our lives? God's will. Because it is our best option. Matthew 26 verse 39. Allow God. 
What must I do for the plans of God to unfold in my life? I'm saying allow God's will to be done in your life because it is your best option. And in Matthew 26 verse 39, He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground praying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. This is Jesus. And this was a conversation that he had, a prayer that he lifted up to the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he entered into his passion. He went with the the, the disciples to pray after they had had the Last Supper. And he left them, went a little further ahead, threw himself to the ground and prayed. And in effect, what he said to the father was, Father, I wish that I don't have to go through this whole thing. Yes, I know that we had sat down, we had discussed it, we had planned everything. But I, 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 I don't want to go through it. I wish this couple passed me by. And he was not referring to a cup of Ausa Koko or a cup of Oblayu or Ekwekbemi. He was talking about a cup of suffering. A cup of suffering. He knew that he had to drink from a certain cup of suffering. And he was struggling with it. And at the point, he wished that things would be done differently from what had already been planned. But along the line, he stabilized himself and said, Yet not my will, but your will be done. Yet not my will, but your will be done. And so he accepted For the will of God to be done. And the will of God was that he would go through the cross. He will suffer pain. He will suffer torment. He will suffer torture. He will suffer rejection. He will die. But that was not going to be the end of it. He will also rise from the dead. And he will earn a name which is above every other name. That at the mentioning of that name, every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things on earth, and of things under the earth. And every tongue should declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When he followed through with the will of God, at the end of it all, the glory of God was what came forth. And he became glorified and was given the name which is above every other name. And the Bible says that there is no other name under the heaven by which we can be saved except the name of Jesus. How did he end that name? Because he allowed the will of God to be done in his life. And I'm saying to you, allow the will of God to be done. If you want the plans of God to unfold in your life, allow the will of God to be done in your life. Not your own will, not what you want, not how you see things, but what God wants, how God sees things. Let God do what he wants to do because that is the best option for your life. Hebrews 10 verse 36. Hebrews 10 36. Patient endurance is what you need now. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. As you patiently endure what you need to go through. In order for God's will to be done. Everything that God has promised you. He will bring it to pass in your life. You will marry by the grace of God. 
you will have children by the grace of God. You will have a good job by the grace of God. You will have the money you need to start your business. You'll be able to go to school. God will provide the fees that you need to settle in order to go to school. Hallelujah. But you must learn to patiently endure what you have to go through. And you must learn to stick with the will of God for your life. And God's will for your life. If you stay long enough with it, it will result in God's promises being fulfilled in your life. And I say to you, what God has promised, he will bring to pass. Only stay with the will of God. And don't be tempted to go on any other path or to take any other routes or routes. Let's stay with the will of God. Because it is the best option for our lives. And God, this, God, this is what God is, is alluding to. When he says, I know the thoughts that I have toward you. Not thoughts of evil, but of peace to bring you to the expected end. So that is God's intention for us. To bring us to the, an expected end, which is a good end. Which is an end of blessing. Which is a, an end of prosperity. Which is an end of well-being. Which is an end of a good life. Which is an end of a happy life. Which is an end of a peaceful life. That is where God wants to bring us to. And we must believe God that these promises are yea and amen. But for those promises to be fulfilled, we must stick with the will of God for our lives and allow God to do what he wants to do. Number three, allow God to lead and guide you by his spirit. If you want the, the plans of God to unfold in your life, allow God to lead and guide you by his spirit. John 14 verse 26. John chapter 14 and verse 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Put up the King James Version also. The same verse. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. Another way can describe it. He will guide you and bring all things to your remembrance where whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, you see that word comforter there. Do you see it? In the New Living Translation of the Bible, it uses the word advocate. And that word advocate also means lawyer. But the original Greek text has the word parakletos. So that is the word that is translated comforter or advocate in these um, versions of the Bible I've mentioned. Now, parakletos means summoned, called to one's side, especially called to one's aid. So to simply put, parakletos means helper. Helper. And this is one of the important roles and functions of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God has given his spirit to us to help us. And one clear way by which the spirit helps us is to guide us. 
When the spirit is teaching you certain things, he's trying to guide you. Ladies and gentlemen, if we want the plans of God to unfold in our lives, we must allow God to lead us and guide us by his spirit. Famous Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a psalm that is in essence talking about how blessed you will be when God himself is leading you and guiding you. Because when he says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What he's saying is that the Lord is the one who is leading me and guiding me. Because of that, I shall not want. And ladies and gentlemen, one of the reasons why God gave the Holy Spirit to us is so that he will lead us and he will guide us. And when the Spirit is the one who is leading us and guiding us, I guarantee that the plans of God will unfold in our lives and God will bring us to a good place. But for that to happen, we must allow God to lead us and guide us by his spirit. Can I have an amen from somebody? Number four. How can I ensure that the plans of God unfold in my life? Number four. Allow God to lead and guide you by his word. Allow God to lead and guide you by his word. Psalms 119 verse 105. Psalms 119 and verse 105. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Amen. This is what the Bible is testifying about the word of God. That it is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God. So, what the word of God is saying is that the word of God must guide us. So, when it talks about a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, in essence, what it means is that that's what is guiding us. If you are walking on a dark road and you have a torchlight, it is the torchlight that guides every step that you take. That's what ensures that you don't step on a snake or you don't step on a bottle or something that can hurt you or harm you. So it is your torchlight that is guiding every step that you are taking. And that is what it is with the word of God. It's supposed to lead us and guide us. And if we allow God's word to lead us and guide us, the will, the plans of God, the good intentions of God for our lives will unfold. So we must allow God to lead us and guide us by his word. And the Bible, eh, it, is, it is a very powerful book. It is a map that can lead you to where you want to get to in life. Where do you want to get to? How do you want your life to turn out? It is the word of God. I recommend the word of God to you. Because it contains everything that can guide you and lead you to that expected end that you desire or crave. God's word is like a manual. It guides us and shows us how to live our lives. And it's such an amazing book that it addresses every kind of challenge that will confront us as we move on in life. So I recommend the word of God to you. That is why you must read God's word, meditate on God's word. When Joshua was confused, 
and didn't know how things were going to go for him because here he was an army captain a soldier now they were making him a civil leader a political leader if you like Moses was dead and he Joshua was now tasked with the responsibility of leading the people to the promised land but he was afraid he was used to killing people he was used to fighting with the sword he was used to shedding blood and cutting down people but this thing about leading people governing them directing them that's not that was not really something that he felt he was prepared for so he was afraid and so god appeared to him and told him don't be afraid god spoke to him in a dream don't be afraid if he wasn't afraid god would not have said to him don't be afraid but he was afraid and often there's a certain fear we have of the unknown when you are stepping out into something you don't know, when you are stepping out into something that you are not familiar with, there's a certain fear and anxiety that grips you. But then God appeared to him and said to him in Joshua 1 verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, thou shalt make thy way prosperous. And then, thou shalt have good success. How many want to have a prosperous life? How many want to enjoy good success in this life? Right here in this verse, a key has been given to us. And that key is the word of God, which is referred to here as the book of the law. So God told Joshua, if you want to do well, if you want to be successful on your mission, if you want to do well with your assignment, then this book of the law should lead you and guide you. Speak that word. Meditate on it. Refer to it. Turn to it. And it will make sure that you have good success and it will make sure that you have a prosperous course. I say to you today, as you elevate the word of God in your life and you allow that word to guide you and direct you, your end will be a good end. I said your end will be a good end. Never mind what things are for you currently. No, never mind how things are like for you currently. It's not going to remain like this forever. But I have one thing that I recommend to you. Allow the word of God to guide you and to direct you. And your end will be a good one. And you will, you will come to a place in your life that you really want to get to. A place of victory. A place of success. A place of joy. A place of peace. A place of prosperity. A place of blessing. A place of well-being. Hallelujah. If you ask me, what must I do for the plans of God to unfold in my life? I say, allow God. And you can allow God to lead and guide you by his word. Number five. The fifth thing you can do so that the plans of God will unfold in your life is to recognize that God's ways and thoughts are not like ours. So, allow God. God's ways. Recognize that God's ways and thoughts are not like ours. So, allow God. Oh, somebody say, allow God. 
recognize that God's ways and thoughts are not like ours. So we must allow God. Our last scripture for the day. Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9. New Living Translation. Isaiah 55 verse 8 to 9. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Ladies and gentlemen, our struggle sometimes with God is we don't understand what he's doing. It's not clear what he's up to. Why, why, why is this happening? Why am I going through this? What possible good can come out of this experience that I'm going through? But ladies and gentlemen, God's ways are not like our ways. God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. And this is something that you must understand. Something that you must recognize. And something that you must appreciate. And I tell you, if you don't recognize this fundamental truth, if you don't appreciate it, and if you don't come to terms with it and accept it for your life, you will always struggle with God and what he's trying to do in your life. You'll struggle. You have to recognize that God's ways are not like our ways. God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. And so we must allow God to do what he's doing because his wisdom is superior. And what we don't understand, he understands. And we must trust in that and accept that we don't see it or we don't understand it. We can't fully appreciate what he's trying to do. What we need to do is to recognize that God's ways are not like our ways and God's thoughts are not like our thoughts. And we should just flow with it. If you think that you will always understand what God is trying to do, then you are, you are mistaken. There are many things that you will not understand. It is only at the latter end that things will become clear to you. There are things that God will show you. But there are so many things that he will also not show you. Because he has called us to a life of faith. He wants us to walk by faith and not by sight. He wants us to run the Christian race trusting him. Trusting him and trusting that he will make good on all his promises for our lives. But to be able to trust God fully, you need to recognize that his ways are not like our ways and his thoughts are not like our thoughts. We have to stop struggling and now believe and flow with whatever God is doing in our lives. Hallelujah. Proverbs 14 verse 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Often, our ways, what we want to do, the path we want to take, will lead us into damnation and into destruction. We think that it is the right way. We think that how our minds are working is the right thing. 
But often it is not. And we often don't get it right. We are prone to making a lot of mistakes. That's why we need to be guided by the spirit of God and be guided by the word of God. But as God is leading us and guiding us, recognize that his ways are not like our ways and his thoughts are not like our thoughts. So we must allow God. Allow God. Allow God. Some of the painful things that you are experiencing in your life, it is God who has allowed it. There's something that he's doing. So don't throw in the towel and give up and say that God has forgotten about me. I'm finding somewhere else to pass. Allow God. You prayed and prayed and prayed for certain things in your life. You haven't yet seen them. And now you're beginning to have questions. But my brother, my sister, allow God. Allow him. Allow him. And submit to his ways and his thoughts. Even if you don't understand them. Submit to them. And when you are in tune with the Holy Spirit. And with the word of God. You will appreciate the fact that. It's not every time that things will be rosy for you. No. That is why you must not be quick to conclude. That something bad that you are going through. Is because. You know, God has abandoned you or God is trying to punish you for something. No. But where God wants to take you to, his ways and his thoughts are such that you must go through this in order to get to that place. It's not easy when you are in school. The hours of learning. Sometimes the difficult life at school. The exams that you have to write wicked teachers that you have to deal with. But you will see that when you complete you write your exams, your final exams the results have come and you look at your grades you did so well. That is when it will occur to you that what I had to go through, the unpleasant things that I had to go through the sleepless nights, the chewing of all kinds of things to stay awake. All those things, they were difficult for me. But now, look at me. I have good grades and I can go on to anything else that I want to do. God's thoughts and God's ways are not easy to deal with. But I'm saying to you, my friend, allow God's ways and allow God's thoughts to prevail over your own way and over your own thoughts. And at the end of the day, God will bring you to a good place and his plans for your life will be implemented and you will see every good thing that you desire to see in your life. In Jesus' mighty name, and let everybody say amen. Put your hands together for the Lord, my friends. Rise to your feet. I will continue next week, Wednesday, by the grace of God and if he gives us life. Shall we pray? Thank you, Father, for tonight. And thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for what you are showing us and revealing to us. How important it is for us to allow you to do what you want to do in our lives. 
Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will help us to submit to him and to submit to your word. Help us to accept that your wisdom, O oh God, is far superior to our wisdom. Help us to yield to your will, O oh God. Help us to follow the leadings and the promptings of your spirit. Help us to allow your word to guide us and to direct us. And help us to recognize that our ways are not your ways and our thoughts are not your thoughts. We say today and we pledge that we will allow you, O oh God, to do everything that you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say, Amen. Give Jesus another hand clap if you don't mind. Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus 233-243-886-622. God bless you.